I thank you for being here this morning, and I just welcome all of you wherever you happen to be. I want to begin this morning by reading the scripture. So we're reading from Matthew chapter 21, verses 12 through 17, and I just encourage you, if you have your Bible app or your computer, your phone, your Bible, um, just go ahead and open up and so that you can read along with me and listen along with me. So again, we're in the gospel, gospel of Matthew chapter 21, starting at verse 12. Jesus entered the temple area and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. The blind and the lame came to him at the temple and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things he did and the children shouting in the temple area, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. Do you hear what these children are saying, they asked him? Yes, replied Jesus. Have you never read from the lips of children and infants you have ordained praise? And he left them and went out of the city to Bethany, where he spent the night. Thanks be to God. So during the course of this week, I really had two main things on my mind, two main things that I was working on that was taking up my mental capacity, if you would. And one of them is the Be the Bridge program. You heard Alona speak a little bit about that. Um, I am working on that with Alona and supporting her as she's leading that program. And so the um, things that I'm learning in that were kind of going through my head. And then also the scripture and writing this message was going through my head. And as I was doing that, I was finding that both of these two things were getting blurred in my head. So in other words, I was trying to work on um, something for Be the Bridge, and the message kept coming back to me, and, and vice versa. And I was trying to separate them and just focus on one thing at a time. But I realized that, you know, maybe God had a message for me in, in the way that this was coming into my head. So I decided to just kind of embrace it and embrace this what felt like confusion going on in my head, um, and just kind of see what God had to say to me. And as I did that, and as I allowed that to happen, I realized that these two things were really much more similar than I thought. They had a lot of connecting points. Kind of made sense that both were coming into my head at the same time. So the Be the Bridge program, the discussion groups that we're starting, really have to, has to do with um, biblical perspectives on racial, re racial reconciliation. And we talk about um, how to have conversations with people, how to have conversations with each other um, in, in matters of race. And the topics can sometimes be difficult, and there's a process that we need to follow as we go through this program. And I realized as I was reading the scripture this morning that there's really a process as well here, a process that God wants us to go through in order to have a heart that speaks. So God has a heart that speaks out, and it's sometimes or maybe often about um, difficult concepts and topics and things that can be hard to talk about. And he lays out a process for us. There is a way to do it in order for us to be effective. So we know we can spew off at the mouth and we can talk about things and talk to people and, and think we're getting it right and think we're saying the right things. Um, 
but we're not always being very effective in that. And so there is a process, a process to be heard and a process to um, learn, learn how to speak out, learn how to say things for other people. And so as we're learning the heart of God and we're learning the fact that God has a heart that speaks, we learn that he has a heart that speaks out for everybody. He has a heart that speaks out for people that often have no voice of their own. Galatians 3, 28 and 29 says, there is, either, there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. And so Jesus has a message for us. Jesus has a message of salvation, and it's not exclusive. Jesus' message of salvation is for all people regardless, right? Neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free. His message of salvation is for all people regardless, regardless of gender, regardless of occupation, regardless of um, race or social status, regardless even of where you are on your spiritual journey. His message is for everybody regardless. And that's sometimes a difficult concept. Um, it's a difficult thing, perhaps, to wrap our minds around, even in today's uh, time and space. But it was certainly a very difficult thing in the time of Jesus. Um, in a, a patriarchal and hierarchical society, um, there was a lot of divisions that people felt were um, appropriate. And Jesus comes in, and we know that he is... Uh, he's the kind of person that comes in and challenges the status quo. He's always challenging the way that we think about things. You know, both back then and today, you know, he really challenges us through the scripture to look at the world in a different way. He's consistently taking beliefs that we have held on to or that the Jewish people of the time were holding on to and kind of flipping them upside down. Um, and the incident that we read about in this morning's scripture in the story of Jesus in the temple is really no different than that. You know, Jesus is challenging the people to look, at, um, to look at him in a different way, to look at their lives and their desires and their hopes in a different way. And so the story of Jesus in the temple takes place after his triumphant entry. So in other words, after Palm Sunday, and he has entered into the city of Jerusalem as a king. And so the people of the time were expecting a warrior king. They were expecting somebody to finally come and save them from Roman occupation and Roman oppression. They were expecting Jesus to be something different than what he was. You know, he rode in as a humble man. And he didn't, he didn't ride into the city with, um, you know, sword brandished. That's not who he was. That's not the kind of savior that he was going to be, not the kind of king he was going to be. Because as much as the people wanted him to be somebody who was going to come in and overthrow this Roman government, to come in and to fight and to destroy them, that's not what his plan was. So instead of challenging the Roman authorities, what Jesus came in and did was challenge the hearts of people. He challenged the hearts of the people, the Jewish people of the day, in really three kind of specific ways as we read about in this morning's scripture. 
So the first thing that we see that he challenged people to do was to self-reflect. In verse 12, we read, Jesus entered the temple and drove out all who sold and bought in the temple, and he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. And so Jesus is coming in, and he's coming in as a savior, um, as a king, and he doesn't go to the Roman leaders. He doesn't go to the powers that be. What he does is he goes to the temple. He goes to that area where his own people are going to be, where the Jewish people are going to be, where um, the people in the town are going to be, his own people. And instead of going to the Romans to address inequality and injustice, he goes right to the Jews. He goes right to his own people and challenges them to think about the actions that they are taking. And so the temple had different areas. You know, we can see uh, pictures or diagrams of it, and we know that it had, you know, ever progressively exclusive places as you go inward to the temple, so the, the court of the Gentiles, and then, you know, the court of the women, and on and on to the, the Holy of Holies in the very center. And the story that we're reading about today takes place in the court of the Gentiles, so on that outside area of the temple. And that was a temple, a part of the temple that was open to everyone. So Gentiles could go there, the unclean could go there, everybody was able to go in that area. And so when Jesus got there, what he found was that this space was being taken up by commerce, by business. And, you know, people have to make money. Business and commerce is not inherently a bad thing. But there were certainly some actions that were going on that were unfair. So we read a little bit about the money changers and what that was... So when people would come to the temple from far away and they were coming to make a sacrifice to God, instead of carrying their animals with them, they would often come to the, to the temple and there would be vendors who would be selling pigeons and doves like we read about in the scripture. But they added another little level in there. So you couldn't bring your own money and buy these animals with that. Instead, you had to go to the money changers and you had, exchange, had to exchange your money for temple money. And of course, that wasn't done free. You know, everybody's got to make a little money along the way. So they had taxed them on that. And then they would take their temple money and buy the animals. And so there was some um, unfair practices that were happening that Jesus saw. And so um, he went to the very center of this Jewish life, of this place at the temple where the Jewish people were out there and buying and selling and trading. And he asks the Jewish people to examine their own motives. They asked those people there, instead of looking at the oppression of the Romans, to really kind of look internally and look at themselves and look at what they were doing right in the area of the temple, how they were treating their neighbors and their brothers and their sisters. Ask them to look inside at their own part instead of just looking out at what everybody else was doing wrong. Now, if you've got kids, I'm sure if you've got more than one, especially, you've, you've come into that um, experience of one of the kids coming to you and saying, you know, my sister did this to me. She hit me. She uh, took away my snack. She stole my book. You know, whatever it happens to be. Um, and you probably have that quite often. You know, they'll come and tell you it was all her fault 
or it was all his fault. And sometimes that can even happen in schools. You know, your kids come home from school and they've got a bad grade on a test and they'll say, well, it was the teacher's fault. You know, the teacher gave me a bad grade. The teacher doesn't like me or um, the teacher didn't read it all the way, whatever the excuse happens to be. But we're being challenged to kind of look at what our own part in all of that is. So when my kids would come to me and start talking about one of their siblings, you know, I've got five of those kids, so they're all older now, and I don't know, I could probably think of a time when they've done it more recently, but I think back to when they were little, and, you know, they would come running to me, and I would say, okay, I said, give me some I statements. In other words, tell me what your part in this was. And it may have been nothing, you know, that's always possible. But you may also hear that, well, you know, I kind of poked them first. Or, you know, well, I, I kind of knocked their book off the table. Or in school, you know, the teacher might say, well, you know, yeah, your, your son, son or daughter got a bad grade because, well, um, they didn't turn it in on time. Or you know, they didn't actually read the book and you could tell from their report. So in other words, we're so prone to, to pass the blame and to talk about how everybody else is involved in the faults and we fail to look at ourselves. We don't look at ourselves and start where we need to, which is kind of in our own hearts. And so the Build the Bridge program that we're working on it's fabulous because it really has a process. And the first four weeks of this discussion process is called Be the Bridge 101. And in their literature, they have a line that says, we often want to jump in with guns blazing, ready to speak out and fix everything. But we must learn that our first step is to engage in the discipline of quiet self-reflection and learning. So the first thing that we need to do is the first thing we need to do. We need to look at ourselves. There's a funny YouTube video that came out, I don't know, probably years ago at this point. But um, the line always keeps running through my head because it's a little girl and she's sitting in the back seat of the car and she's desperately trying to do up her car seat. And her father is filming from the front seat and he's offering to help her. And the little girl keeps saying, you worry about yourself, dad. You drive. Worry about yourself. Worry about yourself. And so when these kinds of situations come up in my own life where either I find myself looking at other people or somebody else comes to me looking outwardly, you know, my first thought is, you know, worry about yourself first. Look at yourself first. But it's not a very comfortable thing to do, right? We don't like to worry about ourselves. We don't like to self-reflect. We don't like to... Uh, break down things that we think or things that we do. That's not a very comfortable place to be. It's far more comfortable to be pointing the finger. It's far more comfortable to point out everybody else's mistake than it is to look at where we stand on things. Now, when I was a kid, um, and probably even more so when I was a teenager, my dad had this thing that he used to say to me, and it would it would infuriate me. It got me so crazy. Because he used to say to me, you know, Josie, when you are pointing the finger at everybody else, when you're looking around and seeing that or feeling that everybody else is wrong, everybody else's opinion is wrong, everybody else's direction is wrong, 
you might want to look at yourself. You know, maybe you're the one who has to change. And, you know, I certainly didn't like that. You know, I always wanted to be the one with the, the last word. I always wanted to be the one who was right. So it would make me furious when he would say that. But, you know, as we, as we grow up or as I have hopefully matured, um, I realize that he's right. You know, sometimes we can be the common denominator. Sometimes we can go through our life and, and we can start seeing that the same problems happen over and over again. We can start to see in our relationships or our friendships that the same kind of issues keep coming up over and over again. Or maybe we're somebody who kind of goes from job to job and instead of looking at ourselves, we're looking at the problems of everybody else. And, you know, we start to think, I'm the common denominator in that. Maybe I need to look at myself. Maybe I need to look at my own motives, my own behaviors, my own actions, like the Jewish people of the day. You know, maybe you need to look at the way you're treating the people who are coming in to trade with you. Maybe you need to look at the way your, your brothers and sisters are changing their money for temple money. Maybe you need to look at that before you look wider. Maybe we need to look at ourselves before we start looking at everything else. And so really the first step in this process of, of speaking out, which is what God wants us to do, the first step in that is really to examine ourselves. Where do we stand? What do we feel? What are our beliefs? What are our preconceived notions? What are our prejudices? What are we bringing to the table? And how can we break that down before we go any further, before we step out and try to be an effective speaker so we can't be effective if we don't really understand where our voice is coming from. And the next thing that Jesus talks about is to pray. Verse 13 says, he said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer. And so we know this intellectually. We know that we're supposed to pray before we do things. We know that we're supposed to look to God and ask God to direct our paths. But sometimes we're not real great at doing that. You know, sometimes we can, we can jump into something before we really seek God's will. Sometimes even God's help in self-examination is important. So we can kind of go back and forth between that, you know, self-reflection and prayer back and forth because God can help us when we ask God to show us things about ourselves. And so, so often we kind of jump in we might speak out of turn. We might open our mouths before really bringing our thoughts to God. And that's really an important part. It's an important thing to, to pray and to see how God wants to direct our energy, how God wants to direct our words, and to whom God wants us to speak to. And we think about the whole idea of starting our day off with daily prayer. And, you know, we know that's important, but there's so many other things that can that can sometimes jump into that space in between waking up and joining the rest of the world. I've had this wonderful opportunity, or many people have had this great opportunity over the last four months to have this daily prayer time. And so for the last, I don't know, almost 120 days now, we've been meeting either by Zoom or we've been walking, and we pray every morning from 8 to 9 a.m. And it's a time to connect with each other, but more importantly, it's a time to connect to God. 
it's a time to connect to the, the worries and the anxieties of other people. It's a time to um, maybe do some self-reflecting, but also look at the needs of everybody else and ask God, what can I do? You know, David was talking about, Pastor David said, I'm only one little guy. You know, I'm, I'm a sinner. What, what can I do? Um, we're only one person, but when we learn about ourselves and when we bring ourselves to God and ask God to direct us, what we can do can multiply exponentially and can be more and more effective as we get into this pattern of praying, praying before we start the day. And, you know, not that I would ever do this, of course, but, um, you know, that's not true because I do this because my phone is my alarm clock. Um, and so, you know, you, we pick up the phone in the morning after the alarm goes off and where is it that we go? Do we go to um, a daily prayer first or do we, you know, need to scroll through and check the weather or check um, Instagram or check our favorite podcast or check the news to see what's going on? You know, all important things. But starting off with that is not necessarily going to set us up the way we need to be set up. It's not really going to, um, it's not going to start our day the way that prayer would start our day. I was having a conversation with somebody outside just this morning, and she was telling me about a devotion book that she started reading, and she was reading it every single morning, and so was her daughter, and then they kind of fell off from doing that and they could feel it. They could feel that they were not starting their day just checking in with God first. And she was telling me that one day actually her daughter came over to visit and she realized she hadn't read her devotion yet. So she said, oh, I've got to stop and I've got to read my devotion right now. Because she recognized the fact that starting with prayer, that bringing these things to God, that allowing God to direct us is the most important thing that you can do at the beginning of the day. And so as we get into this habit of inwardly focusing, of taking responsibility, of looking at ourselves and our part in things, and then we bring those things to God, we ask him to help us with this, this process of learning more about ourselves, and then we ask God to direct our paths, to direct our words, to put us in the presence of the people that he wants us to be in the presence of, then we can start to look at this whole idea of speaking out for people. And so that's the next thing that Jesus challenged people, to speak out for all people. Verse 14 we read, And the blind and the lame came to see him in the temple, and he healed them. And so Jesus went and spoke to the Jews. He asked them to look at themselves. He cleared away some of that unfair commerce that was going on. And he opened up this path for these people to come into the temple and to be healed. Now, you may not expect to hear um, anything by Dr. Seuss in the middle of a sermon, but Dr. Seuss was coming to mind for this. So we know that he wrote many children's books. And they all had great messages for children, you know, just thinking the cat in the hat, one fish, two fish, oh, the places you'll go, right? That's one that really speaks to the older generation as well. It's a book that's often given at graduations, Green Eggs and Ham, The Grinch, you know, we know The Grinch has a really profound message in it, great for kids, but also talking about the real meaning of Christmas. 
And so I was thinking of a completely different character, and in my mind, he's, he's a theologian, and he's an environmental activist, and the character I'm thinking of is the Lorax. So I'm hoping that some of you guys are familiar with the story of the Lorax, and what the Lorax says is, I am the Lorax, and I speak for the trees. I speak for the trees, for the trees have no tongues. And so this character in this Dr. Seuss book um, you know, it's about, it's about environmental issues, and he sees these trees being cut down, the truffle trees, and, and he's speaking out. He's speaking out for the trees because the trees have no tongues. The trees have no voice. And we have people in our lives, we have people that we encounter who need somebody to stand up for them, need somebody to speak out for them need somebody to help them speak out for themselves, perhaps. And if we want to develop a heart like God, as we're learning about what God's heart is really like, if we want to become closer and closer to having a heart like God, we need to watch what Jesus did. We need to watch how he spoke out for all people. We need to watch how he served all people. We need to watch how he cleared space for the lame and the blind and the invalids to come in and how he healed them. Jesus has a heart that speaks out for all people. And sometimes we see especially, especially the disenfranchised, especially the blind and the lame and those who just, for whatever reason, are not being heard, are not being listened to, or maybe just need some support. Somebody that we need to stand up for in our own lives. Could be somebody um, who's being gossiped about in our office. It could be, you know, even somebody in our social circles. Um, maybe somebody needs you to step up and speak up for them a little bit. Um, in verse 15, it says, the children crying out in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David. So we think about even the least of these, the youngest, the most innocent. All of these people deserve to have somebody speak out for them, deserve to be heard, deserve to be listened to. And as we get into this pattern of learning about ourselves and understanding our own biases and prejudices, as we bring all those things to God, as we ask God to, to speak with us and to put us in these positions, then we can learn to have this heart of God who speaks out for all people. So when Jesus walked into the temple, what he saw was, quote, unquote, a den of robbers. He saw things that he didn't like going on in there. But what he really wanted to see was a holy place. He wanted his house to be a holy place of worship for everybody who seeks him. He wanted his house, his church, to be an inviting place where all needs can be met, and he wants his church, his father's house, to be a welcoming place for all people. Because as we learn, God has a heart that speaks out and speaks up for everyone, for all nations. Revelation 7-9 says, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. All nations, a great multitude, more than anybody could count, from every nation, from every tribe. This is God's vision for the world. This is God's vision for his church. And so the scripture this morning is teaching us that we need to speak out. We need to be the voice for people. 
but we also need to follow the process. You know, the process isn't always fun or comfortable. It means that we need to look at ourselves and maybe recognize some things about ourselves that maybe we're not doing so great at, like the Jewish people in the temple who were um, practicing unfair trading. We might need to look at ourselves. That's not comfortable. And then we need to make sure that we bring all things to prayer. And then we need to speak out. It's like the Be the Bridge program. We have to start at the beginning. We need to start where we start. Self-reflection, prayer, and then speaking out. And just in the words of the Lorax one more time, the Lorax says, unless someone like you cares a whole awful lot, nothing is going to get better. It's not. God has placed us on this earth. He has placed every single one of us with a plan and a purpose. And part of that plan and that purpose is to serve others, to love others, to speak for others, and to make sure that everybody is included and everybody is invited. We start with ourselves, we pray, and then we look at the things that God wants us to do in his world, understanding that we are his voice, we are his hands, and we are his feet in this world that so desperately needs us to care if we want to make changes. Because God wants his church, his kingdom on earth, to be a place where all people are invited, a place where all people have an opportunity to serve and a place where all people are served. And he wants us to remember that even the meekest and the smallest and the seemingly most insignificant of us are all welcomed and all respected and all listened to and all heard and all well received as we gather together to praise him so let's pray heavenly father we just thank you so much for your son we thank you for the the model that he was for us and we just ask that you work with us and you help us to look inwardly to take responsibility for our own stuff to look at ourselves and just try to explore that, to bring those things to you in prayer, to allow you to direct our steps, Lord, and then to actually listen, to listen and to see where you're putting us and the words that you would have for us. We ask all this in the precious name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen.